Yeah, I mean, and in, often in, in comics, death is never permanent. Right. And I love that. <laughs> well, they just keep adding characters to the multiverse, right? You right? Just, they don't actually take anybody one, away. Yeah. Instead of having one Superman, you get four new Supermans. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. This week's bonus edition of the DCL Duo podcast. And this week, we are revisiting one of our favorite current Disney Plus shows, or now past Disney Plus shows, which is WandaVision. Spoiler alerts before we even get started here, because we are going to be talking about the series up through the finale, and we have brought back one of our favorite WandaVision guests. Maybe one of our favorite Marvel guests going forward, because we love, love, love all the background he has. So... We start by welcoming Steven back to our show. Welcome, Steven. Hey, welcome, guys. Good to be back. Yeah, we're so happy to have you back. Uh, I just, well, I want to say that we had a show with Steven after episode three, and he made all kinds of predictions about characters and about comic book characters that we were going to see. And he his predictions were like 100% spot on. So I just want to say that from the get go. Stephen, oh, uh, yeah, how, how, how did you call it? Like, how did you call like every, you know, every character from like Agnes to um, fake Pietro? <laughs> I, <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> I know with, uh, at, with Catherine Hahn, yeah, they was a lot. There was a lot of mystery about bringing her on, unless she's playing the nosy, nosy neighbor. And and there had been stuff going around because of the character Ag- Agatha Harkness's relationship with the Scarlet Witch in the comics. So there was thought that she was going to be playing a version of her. There was some suspicion of that, and you kind of, you know, there were some hints. If you were a geek, you know, like myself, you noticed she was wearing the brooch, the one that we later see she took from her dead mother. Uh, gross uh, is <laughs> very much associated with Agatha Harkness. Always wears that. That was kind of an early, you know, Easter egg clue for folks. But yes, I mean, it's just very interesting of how they created this structure of, okay, well, in a sitcom world, there's this friend, but also in comic books, the idea of the friend betraying the hero or, you know, in Wanda's case, is sort of a, a common theme. So she was someone to be suspicious of. She's the first person who greets Wanda and she's usually around or nearby when things start to go wrong. So if you were to go back to the first episode, the dinner with the hearts starts to unravel because of Agatha's influence. Even when she comes back to help with the with the dinner, things starts to go wrong. And, you know, so we started picking up on little clues like that. There was, you know, some healthy misdirection, I think, with the character of Dottie, played by Emma Caulfield Ford from the Buffy verse. But, you know, again, she was only really, we were only really told she's important from Agatha or Agnes at the time. So you start to realize a lot of the information you're getting is not particularly true. So yeah, I mean, that that was fun. I, I've always liked Catherine Hahn. She's a lot of fun and I think was a tremendous antagonist you know, I I enjoyed her a bit more in the eighth episode than the ninth, only in the sense of she was, they kind of went very Disney. I love Disney villains. I presume you guys do. <laughs> yes, so, we do. so like the Disney stuff. I mean, I love that. So it's kind of, to me, almost in a meta way. It's like, okay, well, we're just going to go full on Maleficent turning into dragon type stuff here or 
or more recently, Mother Gothel, played by Donna Murphy, who's one of my favorites. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I the one the one thing that you note in your article, your recap article, which is in the AV Club, was about how she was this, you know, this Disney villain, meaning she was a little bit more one dimensional as, as compared to Wanda, right? I mean, Wanda is a, in a lot of ways in this series, Wanda is a villain. And we see that especially in episode nine, right? We see that oh, in yeah. the season finale. And, you know, in defense of that, that makes sense. So if you think of the structure you have, if she's sort of the anti-hero in certain ways, mm-hmm. Monica, who's awesome, is yes. very much clearly heroic. She's not, you know, in theory, we like to think that we would fight to the death to defend our families. But would we, like in the Captain Amer- first Captain America movie, would we jump on a grenade without hesitation to, to, to save other people? And, and Monica is very much in that first camp, you know, decidedly heroic. And then... That's one side of Wanda. And then sort of this other foil is Catherine Hotnick, purely villainous. So I was hoping for more, but then the part of me that looks at structure like that thinks of, well, yeah, that they, they were sort of setting up that structure all along. Mm-hmm. And I think the complexity is that it wasn't, you know, Agatha all along, to, to quote one of the most, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, downloaded it. songs now, I think right now, it wasn't that she kind of trapped Wanda in this world and was trying to steal her powers. Like, it's not that she's created this and Wanda is completely innocent. It's just she's exploiting it, mm-hmm. which is complex to, you know, it allows that there's not, she's not entirely innocent. Right. You know, I it it's such an interesting. I mean, folks have talked about how this has been about grief, and it definitely is. Mm-hmm. But it is definitely it's a very interesting kind of commentary on if you think about what we've seen in the past few years or so that there are people who retreat into nostalgia. Mm-hmm. The world, the the current world, is very uncomfortable, and there's a nostalgic past that, in many ways, is as real as what we saw in Rescue. It's only in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. And She's retreated into that. The world has become so terrible. She's retreated into this sort of pleasant nostalgia, but Mm -hmm. she is oblivious as I think, I think a lot of people who do this aren't necessarily perhaps malicious. They're not going to like, I want to make the world 1950 for everyone. It's Mm -hmm. more just, oh, I remember when things were simpler in their mind. And so they do that and they think, they don't think of as Wanda did the ramifications of how that's terrible for everyone. They hint at the fact that, you know, certainly Westview in the 1950s episode or the 60s episode uh, is more integrated than it would have been in reality, or even on television. Mm-hmm. But they do talk about how the gender roles are very of those shows. Mm-hmm. So she really was trapping people into, you know, we have no idea like Dottie, who was this uber, you know, very stereotypical suburban mom could have been this high powered lawyer or something who... Mm-hmm doesn't cook, who doesn't have anything to do with PTA <laughs> meetings, but was forced into this. And there, you know, it, it, so I find that, you know, I, I love when works like this is, are able to sort of explore those issues or, or those themes. And I, I think, you know, it makes Wanda a more interesting character. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I'm glad that she is more interesting, even if it means that Agatha is clearly just an evil, a foil, the darkest version mm-hmm. of what Wanda is, if that allows us to make Wanda be a bit more complex. Yeah. What do we think about uh, Haywood? Director Haywood. Uh, 
yeah, he was terrible. <laughs> um, and yeah, I try not to criticize a show for doing, it's like, well, this is what you struck set up and you succeeded as how I would criticize it as opposed to saying, I don't know. I don't know if we even needed him at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily would criticize it that way, but he was a bit of a mustache twirler. <laughs> I love that. He, he's the one tying someone to uh, to the train tracks. Yeah, the railroad right. tracks. <laughs> he was the sole common threat to both Wanda and Monica. Monica and Agatha had no relationship. Mm-hmm. So you did have to have, you had one person who... Right, to tie them. ...was garbage to both, you know, to both of them. And so if you like Monica and if you like Wanda, you get to go, yeah, yeah, this person's arrested at the end. Hey, Steven, I want to go back to Agnes for a second, because I think on our last show that we did with you, you'd mentioned that Agnes played almost like a mentor role to Wanda at times. And... To pick up on something you said, it felt like a much more one-dimensional relationship in this mm-hmm. in this series. Am I getting it wrong? And or does it just set up? I mean, are we going to see oh, a yeah. new Marvel show called Agnes, right? Yeah. Like, like, um, Agatha, probably. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Agatha. In, Agatha, in the yeah. comics, Agatha is a, she's a witch. She, but she is, I guess you use the term chaotic neutral. She is a mentor to the Scarlet Witch. She is not overtly evil. She's definitely not a Disney villain. Um, and I think that a lot of fans were not, there was kind of like, oh, well, maybe she, when she killed a dog, it's not a real dog. Or when she was strangling the kids, like, okay, well, th- I think the show's telling you in very many ways, like <laughs> with her grave robbing from her mother, you know, like she's a very bad person. But I think fans who knew Agatha from the comics was like trying to figure out and, and in fairness, when she's confronting, when she's forcing Wanda to confront her past, you could read that as her being sort of a tough love therapy session. Mm-hmm. Although it's really just the villain getting the information she wants to then use against her. Mm-hmm. I think, however, kind of like Loki, who's a, you know, a villain in the, in the comics as well, there's certainly potential because both characters were, both, act, both actors who play those characters were sort of breakout star. Everyone really yeah. liked Middleton as Loki. So people like, well, we can bring them back and explore their relationships a bit more. I think it does set it up. And she's like, you're going to need me. Um, I do think you could do it in a sort of Hannibal Lecter, Felice Starling way where either Wanda or Dr. Strange or whoever needs the knowledge that right. Agatha has to, even if you don't entirely trust her. And so, and maybe she could kind of become a mentor less overtly kind of magic stealing character but you know agatha wasn't you know in the comics that wasn't necessarily her mo um i was sort of open to that change early on because if you'd seen captain marvel um i think marvel's played on that before where Mm -hmm. i think a lot of fans went into captain marvel believing oh well you know the scrolls are terrible in the comics so they're clearly the bad guys Mm -hmm. and then they actually flip that on you. I, I kind of like that, that they don't stay. I mean, I'm I'm not someone who's read the comics like you have, but I kind of like the idea of them making nods to the comics, but not taking going on script, right? Like they're, they're telling a different story. And so they're taking elements from the comic book world, but they're not necessarily making the characters fit exactly how they would in the comic book world. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much fun and kind of that you can do with that and do sort of tweaks on it. I mean, and, you know, they kind of acknowledge Agatha's uh, comic book origins in the final outfit that 
Catherine Hahn wears as the character and so forth. But yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of potential for her to be um, a very interesting character beyond, I think, within the structure of this, she needed to be very the darkest aspect, the person telling the hero or the anti-hero in this case that you're no good, you're destined to be terrible. And so you get the big moment where she's like, oh, I'm not. So she kind of needed to be Jafar in this or, you know, but maybe come back and be a bit more complex. Well, yeah. And so one other thing I picked up on was the exchange that they had where Agatha tells Wanda that she uh, is the red, the Scarlet Witch, right? Is the Scarlet Witch. She's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme, which now sets up, I think, a tie over to Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm actually I was just sitting here pulling up, you know, Doctor Strange 2 and Elizabeth Olsen is in the cast. The synopsis says something about an old friend turned enemy. That's cool because it's either, I don't know, it's a reference to Mordo in the first film who is a friend of Strange's who at the end sort of is saying like, no more magic, magic's too dangerous and he's taking magic from people, Mm -hmm. which would create a good, like, is Wanda too dangerous? So it's it's an interesting question that they are kind of raising with her and, you know, it it's I like that. I mean, I I think I don't mind that she is not you know overtly heroic right now, or even necessarily what you'd call a superhero. I feel like you know she's a you know Wolverine was able to be a complex character, is very different mm-hmm. from others. So I think there's room for her to be that as well. So and it gave us a cool new hero with a uh, Monica. Yeah, with so, Monica, can't wait so, to see more. Well, in the after credit scene too, we're left with her what I think is studying the dark book of magic, right? Like that's what she seems to be studying and, and, and absorbing. Yeah. And the, well, and always that's what we're seeing. And an idea can be, and this is a theme that's been in a lot of, you know, genre work is that sometimes, well, it's called forbidden, but it doesn't mean, it just means maybe bad people use this knowledge for bad reasons. So, and that doesn't mean that you using this is inherently bad. It's about you, about the user, which sounds kind of a uh, <laughs> absolutely very. Uh, but I, I do think there's a potential that she is someone who can control dark magic or chaos magic, but doesn't necessarily mean that she's a evil person or is using it for evil reasons. Mm-hmm. She and she hasn't so far, and she said she just wants to understand her power, but she doesn't seem to want to abuse it we'll you know we'll see i i I hope that she'll be able to maintain that well i suspect it will i suspect it will come to a head in in the new doctor strange movie and as i'm reading now as i'm reading more here it does seem like the speculation is is what you're suggesting which is that mordo will become kind of the enemy here and so i'm I'm guessing that the scarlet witch comes in to help doctor strange with uh with that battle so yeah now it should be cool you know what I want to know your prediction on, or I guess maybe less of a prediction, well, maybe reaction and prediction, but how White Vision, the newest character, I would say, from these last, well, almost two episodes, we really don't get to know him until this this last episode, but how White Vision is going to play into Wanda's life in the future. Because, you know, when she says goodbye to her version of vision there's clearly they clearly intend to bring vision back i think yeah i mean and in, often in, in comics death is never permanent right 
Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, they just keep adding characters to the multiverse. Right, you right? Just, they don't actually take anybody one, away. Yeah. Instead of having one Superman, you get four new Supermans. Yeah. <laughs> well, even 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 Iron Man, right? I mean, there's speculation now that we've introduced the idea of the multiverse. They can start to bring characters back however they want. They just may not be the same personality. They may not be. Mm-hmm. They may not yeah. be heroes and, 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 and the anti-heroes. That's an interesting yeah. thing to explore. I think I've liked that Marvel. It's because it's like we're not doing this over 60 years. We can kill Iron Man at the end. You can give him a, an arc mm-hmm. and we can give these characters an arc and like vision. I feel like, you know, for a character whose big line in his first film, it's like a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. It's nice that it would be that he dies. He mm-hmm. dies tragically and in, you know, to save the world. And but how many times does a guy have to die? Poor thing. <laughs> yes. And Wanda has to ad- uh, move on from that or that this isn't vision. I mean, that's the big thought experiment, right? Like mm-hmm. this is, these are his parts reassembled. He now has visions, memories, but is that all we are? Mm-hmm. And I think that that could be a potential exploration of that. And maybe the relationship she had with vision will not be the same as with this person. This person could be completely different. And, uh, you know, that will cause a certainly heartbreak. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, the same way for kids, it's kind of like if her sacrifice is like, I have to let go of this nostalgia, I have to let go of my alternate reality, I can't, that isn't necessarily, it doesn't work if she then gets all of that, right? Like she has to really be able to, to let go. But it's but it's interesting. It's interesting that like in the paradox conversation between old vision and white vision or however you say that, like it ends with they're both vision, right? That's the paradox. They're both vision. And then white vision zooms off to the line. I think I am the vision. Right. And he's gone. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, it's interesting to me because it does feel like they're setting up that somehow he's back. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you. I don't I don't see how they can do that. It, it feels awkward. Uh, they don't actually show any of what he, he leaves, but they don't show where he goes. He's not in an after credit scene. So we don't know where he went or what he's up to. But but similarly to what you're just saying, like, what's the prediction on the kids? Because the after credit scene ends with her hearing their voices, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. setting up that she needs to go find them. And so that also felt weird to your point. It feels like she set up this fake construct to bring back vision and then they had kids. The vision she brought back is gone, but the white vision continues in some capacity. The kids were supposed to disappear, but now they're back. <laughs> it's just well, so in, awkward. Yeah. In the comics. So both of those are c- concepts that had been explored, um, a comic run by the, uh, John Byrne, who I, when I, I think when I was with you before, I mentioned how he was, he took sort of the, uh, I disagree strongly with that approach that visions, a toaster and one, mm-hmm. what the hell was going on with this woman who was in love of machine. Mm-hmm. And I think that, just fundamentally misses the character of the vision that he he is as he's a person he's you know capable of you know uh, love and feeling um and just because he's perhaps made differently does not mean that he's not a person and that wanda's nuts but i think that storyline had vision again by government people being disassembled he was reassembled but he had been so damaged he was white vision and so this was like 1990 or so. And White Vision had no emotional connection to Wanda, which was, of course, devastating for her. Right. And then later, it was revealed that the kids she had with Vision um, weren't real. There were parts of Mephisto's soul. Mephisto's the Marvel Universe uh, version of the devil. So I think people were pre- hoping and predicting that would occur. I 
am not necessarily a big fan of introducing the devil into Marvel, not for any particular religious reasons per se, but just more of like, I love Lucifer. Um, Netflix is generally speaking, though, if you just <laughs> watch, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily work from a story. To, I mean, you already kind of have Agatha making the devil's bargain in this of give me all your powers and I'll make perfect world and just reject the devil's bargain. So that what kind of makes satanic bargains interesting, you can kind of do without having a literal devil character. Right. Uh, and we all so, have, we have all these alien characters in the universe, so we we don't really need like a human version of the devil. Yes, with, but, I think that's uh, I think yeah, I think that's where I struggle a bit with where this is headed directionally. Is it's the whole Marvel series for Disney starts with Iron Man, right? And mm-hmm. Iron Man does not himself possess superpowers; he has to put on a suit. His superpower, mm-hmm. I guess, is his genius, right? He's a technological genius, and so he builds a suit of armor, right? Then we introduced gods like Thor, and then we start to mix them with alien technology, and now we're mixing it with magic. <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a soup of like, oh, yeah. just yeah, just a soup of things to contend with. And, well, and um, just like the yeah. comics, right? I mean, right. you know, the su- super science, I mean, Thor is, a lot of that is magic, like, but they present it as a sort of super science form well alien it's just it's almost like it's alien technology it's old alien technology that they've met. like <laughs> yes. that's almost the feeling you but get snapping yeah. your fingers and making half the world vanish at random or reshaping reality rewinding time with like a that's all magic like right. it's magic you know so <laughs> you know to me it was like there was not a huge leap from what thanos was doing than what we're seeing Monica do. I mean, we're seeing Mm -hmm. Wanda doing. I mean, it's reality warping, but you literally had a reality stone. And so, but yes, you're right. It it really, this huge transition from Iron Man to to this, while they kind of did it at a level by level. So by the time you get to WandaVision or you get all of this and introducing Stephen and Doctor Strange as well, you're in this kind of, wow, this is a huge magical world like much like the marvel comics anything is sort of possible in the what when john byrne got rid of wanda's children it was from the position that he thought that was fundamentally impossible i again i disagree i mean but he was like he essentially had agatha stating that there's only one force in the universe that can create life which you know uh, God. And so Wanda doing this, like, obviously this wasn't the case. It had to be something else. She couldn't have created children. You know, I don't necessarily agree. I mean, again, if Thanos can reshape reality, if Wanda can create a sitcom world, so why can't she create children? Right. If Dr. Strange can move, control time, why, you know, yeah. why not? <laughs> so right? Why like- can't she create children? I mean, and they, and why couldn't they exist outside the hex why why couldn't there be a way but i think the comics have really struggled with that they really struggled with you know later they brought the characters back as wicked and speed one of whom is is, is gay and married um, which is cool very progressive you know but yeah. they are as adults but they were reincarnated so somehow their souls are reincarnated but they had trouble with the idea of like Okay, well, I guess there are souls, but I really, oh my, how did, how is she able to reproduce with, you know, an artificial man? I was just going to say the the part you were just saying about, you know, souls reincarnated is really interesting to me from the standpoint of the line that Wanda has her last line to her children, right? Before they're sucked back into the the hex is thank you for choosing me to be your mom, 
right? Which almost, almost as I hear you talking, it just resonates with me is maybe that is what's going on is that she has the ability to bring souls back, right? In some way. So Yeah, I, I, like maybe she wanted these children very badly with vision. Why not? That's her idea of a normal life. And she, I mean, she probably understood on maybe even the unconscious level that she was creating the hex that children are... When we create light, you know, it's separate from us. Our children do things differently than we do, and they see the world differently. You want us a degree of independence. You don't want them to just be an illusion, right? Like, but again, that comes back to the concepts of quote unquote souls, right? So, I, you know, by the the final that final line was beautiful. Someone was saying, like, hopefully, you know, you you watch this with kids. Will they ever never let their parents leave the room oh, again? Because then they're vanished. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we tucked you in. Yeah. Now we're going to go and yeah. you will not you're going to disappear. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say I, our seven year old doesn't watch the, the Marvel <laughs> movies because they're a little, I think, a little, a little too much. Um, well, PG 13 or whatever. It's, um, yeah, maybe in a few years. It, my son is interesting as well because it's, it, you, you know, at first it's more of like, oh, you don't want to expose kids to violence or thing. And then you sort of realize that it's, because you're a particularly empathetic child, it's just like, no, he just doesn't, what? That guy's dead? Like, you know, and it is interesting, if, again, if you watch the credits of a lot of the cartoons we watched as a kid, kids, they would have a child psychologist who was like an advisor. And you could kind of see how like, yeah, well, this film is actually not that bad for kids because the bad guys might be doing terrible things, but they're always defeated. The heroes live, like there's not, it's not, and it's sad and even like, um, in a Star Wars way, this is sad that Ben Kenobi dies, but his spirit lives on. So it's kind of still alive. Don't worry. It won't scare the kids. But this stuff is tough for kids to kind of tough for a lot of us. I mean, I love that that is the the kind of people are having that emotional connection to it. If I, you know, if I can just say quick, quickly, someone who kind of, you know, has done work in theater and the big question of like, potentially theater is going to come back. And when we come back, it's What's happened has been this global pandemic. And so many people who have died and suffered and economic, you know, which I think WandaVision dealt with, the economic hardship of a mm -hmm. catastrophe and political unrest in our streets. But I think there's a sense of, oh, well, we want to address all of this and we're going to address it in very clear, you know, here's this play about the opioid crisis or here's this play about, you know, police brutality. And it's really a lot. I feel like a lot of audience are kind of like, oh my God, I could, you know, I don't necessarily know if I want to sit down for that. I like escapism in a certain way when they think of, oh, the Marvel films are escapism, but yet these films are dealing with those issues. They just are able to kind of deal with it in a way, you know, I, I, that's as someone who's enjoyed genre work and sci-fi and fantasy and the Disney films and and, you know, I let the guy call myself a Rod Serling guy. I, I, think, <laughs> I feel like that's always, you know, you can, for whatever reason, you can address these big things. And that has this emotional core. So, this, you know, you could break it down. These are these two stories with these two women who one woman was in a coma for five years. She wakes up and her job's been taken over by a jerk and her mother's dead. And then this other woman has, like, lives in a war-torn country, lost her brother in violence, lost her husband, and just lost everything and has a nervous breakdown and retreats in the family. You know, and that could be, like, the most depressing, grinding, tedious movie or play you might have ever seen. Here, it's done in a way that is big and bold and compelling while not necessarily skirting those issues. You still mm -hmm. have the emotional 
connection to this woman and this character that you so you feel it when she kind of goes through this this process and so i feel like you know my always my hope has been that when we try to address these big issues i mean the past few years have been big you know i i don't know i think wandavision does this very well a lot of other genre shows that do this does as well as well you know brian i know brian you're you know you were obviously not as deeped in the comic book lore or whatever but coming into it you know because we're around the same age of where they were hitting a lot of TV shows that we've watched or felt, you know, close to. So did any, did any of that resonate with you? The idea of like, oh, I remember watching this either on Nick at Night or TGI, TGIF or something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it did. All of the TV shows sort of resonated at, at some, I think the last one that they did, the sort of Malcolm in the Middle approach. Oh, the <laughs> office after that, though. Oh yeah, the office. I guess is yeah. It was more the office. The office really resonated with me. Um, I didn't think they pulled that episode off as well as I would have liked. It just didn't. I, I know they were trying to be that comedic break the fourth wall, but it. I didn't find myself wanting to laugh at it in the same way that I did. Yes, the office, which um, is a little painful. It's interesting you bring that up. I think, and maybe this is my rationalization of it because you know i don't think it's overtly stated in the text but i wonder how much of the acceleration is into the world because of agatha kind of messing up the reality somehow and trying to mess up the reality so you get as these sitcoms advance things start to get a bit more serious or get more so i almost took it though as like every Every decade that they did with the TV show, right? We all kind of connected back to it. Or I think a lot of people would connect back to it and say, oh, that's that TV show. But there was always these moments that were, I don't, I don't know how to say that, d- completely disconnected from the show. And it was almost mm-hmm. for me, as I look back now, I'm wondering if the message there was those times of innocence that were in the sitcoms, even up to the point of The Office, they're kind of gone, right? Okay. That's not what this is about. It's not about solving problems in 30 minutes anymore or the cute, office banter that you have or the comedic relief you get out of a sitcom that's all gone this is to to the point i think you've made several times this is about grief and loss and that's what we're experiencing now and those mediums just aren't there any longer right like that's not that that's not it's never going to work again in some way might be the message of the no i i totally agree i think there's a sense of again that nostalgia that comforting nostalgia i mean and a lot of it you know i've noted that you know, with my son and I, my son and I would be, I dream a genie fan because it was a period of when the pandemic really started. And it was kind of that, that first few, peer, that first few weeks during where everything was shut down, you're kind of like just trying to adjust to what was happening. I didn't really want to watch newer shows. I was kind of watching, oh my God, this is what I watched when I was 15 or 12, you know, stuff that was very, not even just the setting of the world, but like when I was watching it, the world made sense that, that, you know, connects is kind of like, this is, but it, yeah, it's all that sense of nostalgia, right? You're sort of drawing into it, but it's not the real world. And I, you know, I think that that was a good way of, and and I like that it was this character found relief in sitcoms, and it wasn't sort of like she was someone listening to watching old movies or something, as people would often do, as shorthand for for that. Um, you know, tell. I felt like it was nice to sort of acknowledge that television has a positive purpose. It's more often sort of has been dis- dismissed. And um, I kind of appreciated that WandaVision did that. Like, this is something that was joyful for this person. Well, I want to bring us back to Marvel to wrap up with one one question for you, Stephen. So, uh, because you have such a better understanding of the comic books, if I think about Marvel set up an arc with Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, introducing the little... Easter eggs of the Infinity Stones all culminating in that 
epic battle for the infinity stones, you know, and ultimately returning them to their place that they're not in the universe or, you know, the current, the current timeline that we're in. It feels like there's something going on now where like, what are we going to build to? It feels like there's something related to magic. And I wonder if there's anything that, that, that occurred in the comic books that gives us a clue or anything that you're seeing that suggests how this arc is going to come together for the Avengers, the new set of Avengers. It's a very good question because I think people were hoping that there would be either a multiverse or even a, Mephisto nod. And I think for that reason, they were kind of like, well, who is this big villain? Though, to you know, if we were patient, I think you didn't really see Thanos until the Avengers film at the end. And I think you didn't really, there was hints at the stones in earlier films, as you note. But here, yes, it feels like magic is what they're building towards, what that might be. There's sort of ample magical characters who could be sort of this very big villainous threat. So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I, I I like magic. I like the kind of, you know, what you can kind of do with it. It's sort of, you can, because when you, when you rewrite reality, you can also, that gives flexibility of, you can do a, almost an inception episode, right? Like where the world is not what we see. So there's a lot of visual potentials and, you know, you can kind of do, Dr. Strange already did that. Spider-Man Far From Home kind of did it more in a Scooby-Doo manner in the sense of the the fantastical elements were explained as illusions, but there's still a possibility to kind of then further those aspects and so forth. So I feel like, yeah, magic's probably the big direction and the Scarlet Witch will play a big role. Do you, are you going to be watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? Uh, yes. It features a character called the U.S. Agent. And there was, um, I've, for people who do read comics, I do recommend um, in the 80s, there was a storyline where Captain America's replaced by a kind of very 1980s Rambo conservative version of Captain America called John Walker, who is going to be in the Falcon and Winter Soldier. And he was kind of, I think that type of character, that type of approach to kind of the sort of jingoistic patriotism that they were doing in the 80s would really sort of resonate now. So it'd be interesting what approach they take with it. But it's um, pleased and I saw that they were including the character as a uh, replacement for Captain America, who's now um, obviously retired. So yeah, I look for I look forward to that. WandaVision was a great start to this sec, you know, fourth phase of Marvel and you know, really did a great job keeping it centered on her and as a story about women, really strong women leads. It was really cool. Well, Stephen, we'll have to have you back to talk Falcon and the Winter Soldier once it starts back up. But I've really appreciated hearing your take today on WandaVision and how it's wrapped up. I can't wait to see where it all heads and who the big bad Thanos replacement will be in the Marvel Universe <laughs> once it uh, once it starts to culminate. So thanks for coming on, Stephen. Do you want to let folks know where they can find your writing? And, and uh, I know you've done episode recaps for... WandaVision, I'm assuming you'll do the same for some of the other Marvel shows coming out. Yeah, um, I'm at the AV Club. I do uh, reviews for them and also, you know, daily political writing for Wonkat. And uh, there's a lot of politics going on. So they'll always be <laughs> something to, to write about. But thank you. And your writing is always uh, informative, but also with a heavy dose of humor and sarcasm that I appreciate. So <laughs> thank you, Sam. And thank you, Brian and Sam, for having me. It's been fun. Well, 
was great having Stephen back on the show to talk about one of our newest favorite shows in the Disney Plus arsenal, WandaVision. Sad to see it finally wrap up, but excited to see how it contributes into the overall Marvel multiverse that exists. And so just really excited about that show and excited to have Stephen on. His predictions were so spot on from the last show that I think what, you know, what he was talking about today, we should expect to probably see down the line and Marvel at some time or capacity. So anyway, just really excited to have him on. We are definitely going to have him back to talk some Falcon and the Winter Soldier when that comes out. So excited for that show to start and lots to come from Marvel on Disney Plus. So it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, for the next uh, next few years. So with that, I do want to thank each and every one of you out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also leave us a five-star review over at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are just really helpful in making our podcast more visible when people are searching for Disney-related podcasts and Disney Cruise-related podcasts in particular. So please head over there, leave us those reviews. We value each and every one of them. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. We're joining the conversation at the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group. Come over, hit join. We'd love to have you in there. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.